Well, good afternoon and welcome to the Lots of Matzah Pizza Podcast. Today we have a great guest, Sammy Reber, the girls high school hockey coach at Edina. She also played her high school hockey at Edina and went on to play at Harvard. We're going to talk about her, her playing career her coaching career, and somewhat of her professional career as well as it pertains to today's COVID virus. Looking forward to a great show with Sammy. Love is a burning thing And it makes a fiery ring Bound by wild desire I fell into a ring of fire Well, good afternoon, Sammy. Thanks for joining us today on the Lots of Matzah Pizza Podcast. Well, thanks for having me, Tony. This should be a lot of fun. you got a great story, um, somewhat storybook story, but we're going to really dive into it today. I'm, I'm excited to have you. Well, thank you so much. I'm really looking forward to it. And uh, yeah, I appreciate you taking the time. Well, this should be fun. So I want to get into how you got into hockey. You know, a lot of times uh, it's, you know, there's family attached to it or, uh, or, or you're the pioneer of the family. How did you get involved with hockey and what was kind of the start for you? Yeah. So we are, uh, we're a big hockey family. I've got two older brothers and uh, mom and a dad and I would like to say my dad kind of started it for us all. He played college hockey at the University of Vermont. Then he was drafted um, late in the NHL draft to the Kings. And while he didn't necessarily have a professional career at the NHL level, he, you know, from what I've heard, was an incredible hockey player and um, kind of paved the way for my brothers and I. I've got two older brothers. One is eight years older than me. The other one's four years older than me, both of which played hockey, um, both of which went to Edina, played for Kurt Giles and then went on to play college hockey. And so ever since I can remember, I wanted to be just like them. And a big part of their life was hockey. So I think I started skating before I started walking. And from there, it was just kind of history. We just, every winter on the ice 24 seven, you know, it's something that my family obviously bonds around. And so it was a great way for us to just do things together, whether it's going to the rink to watch or going to the rink to play. Um, That's that's basically what started it. And so I I owe my dad and my brothers a huge amount of, um, you know, why I got so into the game. And then my mom, although has never played hockey, huge supporter of the game, huge supporter of us as obviously for children, but as hockey players as well. So just very thankful for that. So having two older brothers and they, there's some space there, there's four and four years apart. So you were dragged to every practice, <laughs> every game, you know, before you, so you, before you were even legal to play hockey at four or five years old, you had seen enough of hockey to, to probably more than most humans had, right? Oh, absolutely. I mean, to your point, Tony, I think I was in the rink, you know, more than even my brothers might've been because I was at both of their games and, and whatnot, kind of like you said, being dragged along. Um, but I wouldn't trade it for anything at all. I think I probably took more naps at that age, at that stages and ranks than I did in my house. But um, you know, it, it's a big reason as to where, I, how I got to where I am today. And so again, I wouldn't, I wouldn't trade it for anything. So here's a story. My, I, I'm the youngest of five and I had to get dragged. I dragged to many rinks for all my brother's hockey games. And there's two kind of kids at the rink, right? There was the kid that was running around and throwing a ball or getting into trouble. And then there's the kid who had their face planted on the glass. I was a glass p- painter. <laughs> Which one were you at these games when all your brothers were playing? You know, that's a good question. I think it probably varied. I, I can remember myself running around the rinks. Um, right. One in particular, like Edmonton Mall. I wasn't going to sit still for that. Yes. Um, you know, watching them them play was not an option. You know, there's a big mall around me. But um, I think probably as I got a little bit older, I was more glued to the ice and watching them play. Um, but I, I can guarantee I was running around and being kind of the crazy kid every now and then. Yeah, I do too, but I just remember my dad. My I always remembered running around. My dad's like, no, Tony, you were glued to the glass. You were watching it at all times. I'm like, oh, I believe it. I just remember running around a lot. And yeah, being, so maybe maybe I'm wrong. Maybe I got to verify that fact with my parents, see what really happened. That's right. That's right. Okay, so you started playing hockey. You, you, you um, Girls hockey, you and I talked a little bit before the show. It, it's a lot different when it was a lot different different even then as far as boys girls there was no girls 10a team in Edina until you were on a team your second year of squirts correct 
Correct. Yeah. So there was no girls mice. So I started playing with the boys right off, right out of the gate, um, which was great. And I loved it. Went, wouldn't have wanted that any other way. Um, and there was, you know, a handful of girls participating. So there really weren't a lot of girls even playing at that time. And then, you know, I continued to play with the boys through, to your point, my second year of sports, um, because they had a, my first year of sports, they had even U10B teams. And, yep. um, you know, I loved playing with the boys. Those were like, you know, some of my best friends and whatnot. And having my dad and my brothers, you know, the option was, do you want to play a year of sports and see what happens? And I said, absolutely. Um, and then they did develop a U10A team after that year. And, you know, I told my parents, hey, I want to go play with my girlfriends. So did the U10A thing and it was awesome. But that's, yeah, to your point, that was the first A team for girls. Um, And that wasn't, you know, that long ago. So the game has completely evolved since then. And speak to Edina's growth in girls hockey. Now they have two 10A teams. You know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> You're talking about well, there weren't that many girls playing back then. Now there's so many girls. They're so good. They're so deep. You have two 10A teams that feed into a 12A team later on in their career. Yep, absolutely. And it's so cool to see those numbers continue to grow. Um, I know the boys, Edina, pretty well. Just had a son that played when in the the rebirth of Edina hockey back, you know, through the Sammy Walker type kids. Who are some of the pioneers of who really? So I know the boy, the you know, the Greg Dornbox on the on the and Wally Chapman's on the guys' side. Who are some of those pioneers who really rolled up their sleeves on the Edina girls' side? Oh, that's a, you know, that's a good question. Um, I think. So the program hasn't been around, you know, that long per right. se, but, and it's continued to evolve ever since. And so I think, you know, a big piece of it are those, are those girls who started it um, when there really wasn't anything to play for, you know, right. the competition was not big at all. There weren't a ton of teams, but they did it anyways because they loved the game. And that's what paved the way for the rest of us to, you know, come through and have state tournament at the Excel Energy Center to, you know, like you and I talk about, what our team has done, you know, almost filling the lower bowl for the state tournament now. So I, I really give a lot of credit to the, those teams who were just playing because they love the game. And, um, you know, a couple names that I got to play with, um, I mean, Kareen Bowie was a year older than me, and she, you know, she was kind of a big, big star to come out of the program. Yeah. Um, she was a Miss Hockey finalist, super athletic, and um, probably one of the first to really – like, I don't know, show, Hey, Edina can do this. Um, and so, uh, I would, yeah, I would give her a lot of credit. And then just, I I think it was just a lot of teams. I know that sounds generic and kind of boring, but it was just a lot of team camaraderie and a lot of teams just kind of trying to make history. My sophomore year, when we made our first state tournament appearance as a program, um, you know, there's a lot of girls on that team that maybe didn't go on to play college hockey, but helped make history. So, um, a lot of people who, uh, you know, deserve a lot of credit. And you guys did pretty well. I mean, you got, took third place that year. And I think that was kind of the year where girls from Edina realized, Hey, we can do this thing. This isn't just a boys thing in Edina. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, we were obviously not really sure what to expect going into our first state tournament, but having gotten third to your point um, against some really tough competition was, was something that we were really proud of. Um, and then the next year you do one, you do one better. You take runner up to Roseville. All right. I mean, so now it's like, you can imagine how much this is doing for the youth program that oddly enough, 10 years later, you were coaching, right? You probably had yeah. no idea what you were doing by taking second place in the state as a junior. Yeah, really. Um, no, I mean, just kind of living in the moment and having gotten that taste in that state championship game gave us all all the people on that team, you know, a little bit extra confidence of, okay, if we, you know, the juniors, we've got one more year to make this happen and we know we can do it. And so, um, yeah, it was, it's a pretty cool, pretty cool experience having gone through it. So your senior year, you're back in the state final, you're playing against the, you know, late conference, you know, rival. Um, and they're loaded. Minnetonka is absolutely loaded that year. Walk through that game, you know, the highs and lows that from that game. It was, it was, it was, a, it was a dog fight early in the game. I mean, this is like it's two to two after the first period. Um, you're kind of hanging on a little bit. Walk through th- that game and, and the highs and lows of it. Yeah. Um, you know, I think um, the highs and lows just are all over the place from, from my perspective. Um, in general, it was an incredible hockey game, to your point. It was back and forth. 
you've got two of the best teams in the state going at it. And I think that was probably one of the first state championship games that was really that competitive right. at the girls' side. Um, our year before, we'd lost, you know, 4 nothing, so yep. it wasn't really a, a battle. Um, but, I mean, to your point, they've got Julie Friend in net. Um, she went on to win Miss Goalie. Yep. And they've got Rachel Ramsey on D, who, you know, obviously – Legend, right? Legend, you know, at at the U, an All-American defenseman, you know, who went on to have a great college career. And, you know, they've they've got some guns up top as well. And then, you know, a couple younger, Sid Morin on D. I could go on and on and name their Their (laughs) whole roster, roster. right? You have, like, PTSD, I bet, right? Yeah, oh, absolutely. I mean, (laughs) and for us, I'm not saying we were necessarily the underdogs, but we were a little bit. You know, we had gone to battle against them all year long, obviously, having them in our conference. But, um, you know, we felt confident at us ever. Um, like we, we deserve to be there and we battled and obviously the low was having to lose that game with, you know, 34 seconds left or whatever yeah. it was. And, um, having to go out like that was, was tough, but, um, to your point, don't need to, don't need to reminisce too much on it, but definitely some PTSD left from that game. But you know, in all, if you look back at your high school career, I mean, I can't imagine how many points you had. Uh, you were a Miss Hockey semifinalists or whatever they call it. I mean, if you were, if you were a, a male, you would have been a Mister Hockey finalist. You'd have missed. They went from ten to five. It's the cool. It's the goofiest thing. But in my eyes, you're a Miss Hockey finalist. Oh, well, thank and you. Great, and then you're then you're committed to go to Harvard. I mean, not a bad life at eighteen years old. Um, very, very thankful and blessed for, you know, my high school career and where it led me to never, ever would I have imagined, um, that I would have ended up at Harvard and, you know, having been so thankful to play hockey there. Um, I always had a dream when I was little, you know, I want to play college hockey and I want to, you know, be an Olympian and all that stuff. But, you know, you make these dreams and a lot of times they don't become a reality. And so, um, I just, yeah, gosh, I mean, very humbling to go back and think about it. So before we finished high school, the cha- the high school chapter, Laura Slavinsky is a big influence on you as a coach. Talk about Laura's, uh, what she did for Edina hockey and, and for you personally. Yeah. You know, when she came over and took over the program, my sophomore year, um, we, you know, she's a younger woman who I, I had like loved and her career was so inspirational. I mean, right. again, went to the U and had a great, great career there on one of the first, you know, go for women's hockey teams. And, um, she came in with a whole new perspective and kind of energy and attitude that we all bought into right away. And, um, she's an awesome person. I mean, if, if you don't know her, she's the nicest, most down to earth, um, person. And so that really just lifted, lifted us up as a team. And for me personally, um, you know, I had a great relationship with her and, um, it kept building, you know, even when I went off to college, you know, I'd still keep in touch with her and, I just learned a lot from her and I told her one day um, when I was in high school that, you know, my dream would be to come back eventually and take over the program, you know, whether that would be when she was done or the person after her or whatever. And, right. um, you know, I, and she's a big reason for that. Um, I saw what she was able to do and what she's done for me and my teammates at the time. And I wanted to do that same thing. What, what's some, what's the one takeaway from her that you like, if you don't know, like, you know, deal, what would Jesus do? What would Laura do? And you would do, you do the same thing now as a coach. You know, I think one thing that she, you know, looking back on, um, obviously, you know, we're coaching a hockey and we're coaching and we want to win and we want to do all this stuff, but in reality, it's a game and we want to, you know, she always saw bigger pictures beyond that. Right. Um, and for us, you know, as vulnerable teenage girls in high school, we need that. Um, and so I've tried to keep that same mentality and whatnot. And just, you know, sometimes if we get lost in the moment with games and frustrations, just got to, you know, come back and say, Hey, it's much bigger than this. And we'll learn from it and, and things like that. And so, um, I definitely took that from her. Cool. Cool. So then, so you go from Laura to, you go to one of probably the best coaches in NCAA history uh, with Katie Stone. What is the difference between the two when, when you get to Harvard? Yeah, I mean, um, I think any head coach at the college level is going to be different than your head coach in high school um, for various reasons. It's, um, you know, it's their full-time job at the college level, and um, it's, it's a job for us as student-athletes, too. So it's just a different dynamic. Um, you know, I would say the intensity overall, just because it's, you know, it's off ice, it's on ice, it's two and a half hour practices, it's, you know, traveling for games, hotels and stuff like that. The intensity of it all is a lot 
um, more than high school per se. And I think the coach kind of has to um, balance that a little bit at that level. Um, but Katie, I mean, um, le a legend in the college hockey world. And I'm just so honored I got the privilege to play for her. So is it more, you always hear about uh, college football coaches being more like a CEO to the team. Was she kind of a CEO of your team that, yeah. in that perspective? Yeah, I would say so. Um, it's her program. And by the time I had gotten there, she would, she had already developed the program for gosh, almost 20 years. Right. And so, um, that was her program while I was walking into. And it was, it's, it's so cool to see someone, you know, develop that and to see the culture that she has created. And yeah, I would, I would classify her as that. And, you know, but still personable, you know, coach where I felt like I could talk to her and go up to her and learn from her, you know, on an individual basis and stuff like that. Right. All right. So here's the, you know, the big question. So let's walk through going to Harvard. I mean, this isn't, you know, UMD, this isn't Minnesota, this isn't Wisconsin. This is the perennial best college in the world, best university in the world. How did you get there? What was the process of going to Harvard? It's kind of, got for me, I was a decent student. That would have been a very intimidating place to go. Yeah, yeah. So, um, you know, growing up in Minnesota, I would say 90%, if not more, Minnesota girls hockey players want to be a gopher. Right. And that was, that's what was my mentality when I started the recruiting process. Absolutely. Um, you know, I put Minnesota basically one on my list and, uh, Wisconsin was on there and then Dartmouth and Harvard were on there as well. I would just narrow those, those yep. four down. And, um, you know, um, as you and I have talked about my class in high school was very um, good, you know, very talented. And they had already had three commits with Rachel Ramsey, Rachel Bonham, Megan Lawrence going to Minnesota. And, so it kind of limited the options in that sense going there. And, you know, my brothers had both gone out East. My parents went out East. And so, you know, I was like, okay. So your, your mom, you told me was from Long Island. Did you have cousins that were out East too? That would maybe family. Yeah. Um, so I have some family on the East coast. Um, but my mom's side of the family is no longer in, in Long Island. Okay. So, All right. um, that didn't play a huge piece in it, but, um, I was just kind of, you know, already attracted to the East coast. And so, um, and my middle brother was at Dartmouth and so wanted to check that out as well. So long story short, kind of ended up narrowing down the options to Dartmouth and Harvard and, um, was kind of had my heart set on going to Dartmouth because I'd visited there. I was like, okay, it's not that intimidating, you know, whereas my perception of Harvard without even visiting was kind of what everyone's stereotype is. It's, it's intimidating. It's scary. It's well above my intellectual you know, now don't, grade. don't sell yourself too short. I'm sure you had good <laughs> grades and a decent ACT, but not Harvard like, correct? Yeah, correct. No, no. And so it's just, again, I hadn't given it a chance. And, um, I actually, I have my, my mom to thank for, for kind of pushing me to go visit, um, before I committed to Dartmouth basically. And so I, um, so you went on I two went, separate trips from Dartmouth and Harvard. I did. Yeah. Oh, okay. So cool. I, yeah. And then, uh, I went and visited and I, I'm not going to lie, Tony, I tried to force myself not to like it. Um, oh, I love just it. Because I, I was, you know, it's so kind of like the cute boy who gives you a hard time yeah. in science class. I don't like exactly. him, but you really kind of like him, right? Exactly. You don't want to, but then, uh, yeah, it, uh, it honestly, I fell in love with it. There wasn't a thing about it that I couldn't like about it. The, the team was phenomenal. The coaching staff was incredible. The culture and everything about the campus. I just was like, wow. I, I love this place and, um, you know, ended up kind of doing a 180 and was thankful enough that they, they wanted me to come and uh, ended up committing there and never looked back. So very, very thankful. So Hillary uh, went there. Hillary Crow went there as well. How yeah. good of friends were you at before this? Did you play hockey growing up together or did you just meet her out there? Yeah. Yeah. So we were actually really close uh, growing up and playing together. And against each other. She's and from we Eden actually, Prairie, right? I, right? Yep. She okay. went to right. Blake, though. Yeah, I didn't know that. Yeah. Yep. And um, we actually both narrowed it down to Dartmouth and Harvard. Um, we we told each other we're not going to commit based on another person's, you know, decision. Um, we both had the same things kind of happen, though, uh, separately. So it was just kind of fate that we both ended up going there. And, um, you know, she's one of my best friends. And um, we had a great time out there together. And. Um, yeah, so it was kind of an interesting path that we both took. 
Oh, that's fantastic. And, and, and your career was fantastic there. Um, you made two NCAA tournaments prior to your senior year. And this is where this gets really interesting. Talk about fairy tale endings. Your final college game is played at Ritter Arena 15 minutes from where you grew up in front of your, fa- in front of your family. Um, and then you're playing against basically everyone you grew up against in the Gophers. <laughs> yeah. It was. How do you write that, right? I honestly, I, if you would have asked me at the beginning of my college career, if that would even be a chance, I would say no. Um, and so I can't even put into words how special that was for me. Obviously, you know, we ended up losing four to one to Minnesota in the national with an empty netter, with an empty netter, with an empty netter. I appreciate that. (laughs) (laughs) Um, but to play in front of my family, my friends against, you know, some of my best friends from hockey growing up in a sold out Ritter arena for a national championship with, my best friends being on Harvard with me, it you really can't like write an ending any better than that. Other than if we would have won, yeah. For for me to end my playing career that way, I um, you know, it just gives me chills to think about that 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 I was lucky enough to not only be in that game, but then to your point, be back home in front of all these people. Uh, I like to pump your tires a little bit. Ninety-five wins at Harvard, a hundred plus points. Not a bad career. It wasn't like you were a fourth liner. <laughs> That's for sure. <laughs> well, thank you, Tony. I appreciate that. All right. Uh, we talked pre-show, and I, I don't want to leave this out of the show, and I thought it was fantastic, your perception of going to – I want to talk about the academic part of Harvard. Um, walk me through – you know, you said something about biochemistry or whatever. Just it, It's not as bad. If you can get into Harvard, you can make the most of it. How did you make the most of it going to Harvard? Yeah. Well, just so if any, you know, for those who are listening to this, I was not a biochemistry major or anything like that. Um, But I brought that up in the sense of, you know, if you are one or if, you know, if you're going down a hard path, once you get into the school, it is going to be difficult, but it is going to be difficult if you do that same path at the U or, you know, at Wisconsin or wherever. And so I, I swear by this statement that the hardest part is getting in. And I was very, very, very fortunate that I had hockey to help me get in. Um, But once you're in it, you know, it's, time management it's everything that you've learned in high school that you need in order to be successful and so um once you're there and you're learning and you're kind of learning the ropes and everything you you're able to make it work and um yes there there are people to it that are very intimidating um you know it, it, for all the reasons people know but um it's there's also a ton of help if you need it and so for me having been a part of it i never once felt like you know an outsider or i shouldn't be here and um, I think Harvard itself does a really good job at making everyone feel welcome in that way. Did you ever watch Goodwill Hunting before you went to the school there? You know what? I actually hadn't seen it until I was at school. Um, really? I knew I knew what it was it was about though, so I had the whole preface of it. But there's the scene where the guy tries to go intimidate the guy or Ben Affleck. Do you remember that scene? Like, that's what I think of Harvard. Like, there's a guy who's just yep. going to come. He's going to start reciting things at me. I'm like, I'm not smart, as smart as you, yep. you know? And totally. That, and, that, yeah. And there are, I mean, I, I, was, I was, like, astonished by how smart some of my classmates were and people there. And it's pretty cool to witness and um, see it firsthand. Yeah, that's for sure. So after college, you become a coach like literally how hard is it to become a, there are there are people out there in the coaching industry who want to become division one assistant coaches and you just walk right into Minnesota Duluth <laughs> I mean this is I mean literally it just keeps falling into place so how did this happen how did you get to become a, a, a division one assistant coach right out of college yeah um you know again very lucky with you know where I was and the people I had met and um I uh, it was my senior spring in college and my assistant coach, um, Maura Kroll had just decided to, um, the UMD head job had opened up and Maura was hired for it. And, you know, so she was headed to Minnesota to take over a division one program, rightfully deserved. Um, you know, she had been an assistant for a while and then she decided to bring along, um, Laura Bellamy, who I'd played with at Harvard for two years. And then she coached at Harvard for two years. She brought Laura along as her, um, first assistant, if you want to call it that. And then, you know, I was, out to dinner with her one night in, um, in my senior spring and kind of was joking around with her, you know, like, what if, uh, or you need another coach or, you know, need another assistant and kind of just joking around. And she was like, well, would you be interested? And then the rest is history. Um, they, she took a huge chance on a newly graduate, um, 22 year old. And without that year under my belt, I don't 
there, I know I would not be where I am today. And so I'm very, very grateful and thankful for her taking that chance on me. I learned so much. And, um, you know, I really didn't have a plan to leave UMD until the Uganda job opened up. And so, um, yeah, I just, uh, I had a great time and learned a lot that year. You told me before the show that I asked you about, you know, greatest influences, coaches, and you, you went hard at Mora as being one of the best influences in your coaching career. Elaborate on that a little bit. Yeah. Um, I mean, I, I don't think I could say enough. Um, she took over the Harvard program when Katie Stone was out coaching the Olympics my junior year. And that's when she and I really started to bond. And, you know, she just instilled a ton of confidence in me as a player. And then, you know, that carried over through my senior year. And then when she took me under her wing to help coach with her at a division one level as a 22 year old, I was, you know, I was shocked, but I was so honored. And, um, she just taught me so much about myself and then, you know, my playing days. And now as a coach, I still continuously rely on her for advice, um, you know, after games and whatnot. And she's become one of my best friends. And so it's just been a very, very, you know, great relationship that I'm very thankful that I have in my life because, I owe a lot of, you know, our success here at Edina to what she has taught me as a coach. What were some of those lessons that you learned about yourself when you were up at UMD? Because, I mean, you're fresh out of college. You're living in Duluth. You're not a student anymore. And now you're kind of a coach, but you're still kind of 22 years old. So there's a there's kind of a purgatory in a, in a little ways living up there, right? Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, just a lot of a lot of things, you know, as, personally just you know was growing in that age as you're out of college you're again you're not living at home you're in Duluth kind of a form or you know unfamiliar territory right. um doing something you have never done before and yeah. um one thing that I just and she kept telling me too that you know you're always going to learn there's always going to be times you're going to be learning you're never going to have everything perfected and so you know if things aren't going your way or you know you make a mistake you can't just totally eat it up and then all over you got to just learn from it and move on um you know she's been in the coaching career for years years and years and she still tells me you know I make mistakes and I still learn from them so that was something that I took to heart because I mean I made a lot of mistakes that year and I learned from them and she just continued to support me through it and um you know I've carried that mantra onto my dinosaur as well I'm sure there's mistakes do you remember any of the mistakes you made up at UMD even like I can only oh, imagine being 22 years old and you know yelling <laughs> at a guy or yelling at a woman or whatever like what what stands out like even specific that stands out as one of those mistakes that's, you know oh man um whew. I'm sure there's a ton um I think I tried to maybe forget about them after I, you know, learned right. from them good, a little bit. Good but, point, yeah. Um, but, you know, I think a lot of it was in-game stuff for me, coaching-wise. Yeah. Um, you know, it's such a fast-paced game, and you got to make these decisions constantly, and you got to do this and that and that, and you're responsible. You know, I had to put myself back in the player's shoes of, like, I, you know, kind of control them, you know, and so I need to really figure out that balance and whatnot. And I know I made some mistakes you know, right off the bat in a couple of our first games, but then you start to get it and uh, learn and, you know, it just gets more comfortable as the time goes on. And you're excited too, right? Like you want to coach, you want to give them some advice and you were just in their skates a year ago, you know? So it, it, there's just a little bit, it's kind of, you know, being green behind the ears a little bit, you know, you just, just learn as you go. Right. Yeah, absolutely. And that, yeah, that's a great point. You just kind of learn as you go. And um, yeah. So how did the Edina job, I, I know that Laura was leaving. How did you learn about it? Walk through that spring after the UMD season. Yeah. Um, so once we uh, were done with playoffs at the UMD, or once UMD was done with playoffs, I uh, received a phone call from uh, the Edina principal kind of telling me, hey, um, just want to let you know Laura is resigning and the position's open and um, would you have an interest in applying? And again, I had no thought of leaving UMD after one year, um, but this was my dream job. And Maura knew that. And uh, I think a lot of people knew that, but um, so I kind of, you know, I sat down with Maura and uh, chatted with her about it and said, you know, I think I need to, I think I need to apply. Who knows if they're going to hire a 23 year old with one year of experience. Um, but I think I need to apply. And Dean Williamson, who's actually my uh, boss in uh, the real world yes. at Brown Shoe Commercial now, Real Estate. Right. Yeah. Now. Yeah. He, uh, he, you know, 
had some conversations with me too. He's super involved in Edina hockey. His daughter Taylor obviously played, and yep. he took over when Laura had to step down for a year. And she had like um, an injury, correct? Yep, exactly. Yeah, and so he, you know, he talked me through it too, and talked through the pros and cons, and it was a really difficult decision for me. But I knew that if I didn't apply, that I would have regret it. Then you never and, know, um, right? And I'd never know when, you know, maybe the next time this position opens. So did the hiring process um, take a long time? Uh, you know, yeah. Um, there were a lot of applicants, so yep. you know, you know, they had to go through that, and then um, obviously the interviews, and then um, just some like formality, background check stuff, and whatnot. But um, for me, it felt like an eternity. <laughs> I did for me uh, too because I knew when the job was open as a press person, I'm like, okay, we're announcing this, and I'd heard you were the favorite for like two weeks. I'm like, all right, I'm ready to announce. I'm ready to announce. I'm ready to announce. I'm like, is this job ever going to get announced? And it just seemed like it dragged on forever so i i can feel i can feel your pain let's put it that way yeah yeah exactly exactly so yeah that's kind of the, the story of how that all happened in the interview process did they ask if you were offered the job if you would take it because you had a really good job at this point oh well they um you know ooh, that's a great question i don't think that that question verbatim came out yep um i think i don't think so but it was i mean it was intimidating i walked in and you know, you've got the captain sitting there, you've got Troy Stein, the athletic director, yep. and then you've got, you know, three other people who you're like, oh my gosh, what are these guys going to ask me? Are they going to, you know, yep. totally just pepper me or how's this going to work? And, um, it was, uh, it was good. I, I again, I don't think I could tell you all the questions solely no. because, um, I, I don't remember them all. <laughs> um, but yeah, it was, um, you know, it was good. I felt good walking out of it. And for me, um, you know, more was again, very, very, um, you know, supportive in the sense of like, if I didn't get the done a job, I still had a job at U of D. Right. So, what a great position um, to be in, right? Yeah. So again, very thankful for that. So you get the job and you accept. I do. Yeah. And you and you have basically <laughs> given up a full time wage, right? Because you're getting paid full time yep. wages at UMD, and now you have no job and you have this hockey job. Like, yep. unless you were a <laughs> reber, most parents would be like, "Okay, wait, you just gave up a full time job for a part time job." <laughs> How does yeah, this work, no, right? Everyone thought I was crazy leaving the college world because most people start at the high school level and try to get to the college world, and I did obviously the opposite. Um, but I just, you know, it was my dream, and I had to follow it. And, yeah, I didn't have a, a day job lined up, which was probably not the best plan, but um, lucky enough it all worked out. I, uh, again, reached out to Dean Williamson, who – Without him, I know I would not be where I am today. And um, if Dean he, Williamson makes another one of my podcasts, I'm gonna, you know, it's gonna get old, right? He's gonna. <laughs> hey, he's a he's an incredible guy, and um, obviously is so incredibly involved in the girls hockey world. So yes, uh, he deserves to be mentioned a lot. Right. Um, we joked that uh, actually Taylor and I, after the podcast, we text a couple texts and we pumped his tires pretty heavily. And I, <laughs> and I said something to the effect of, uh, yeah, well, your, your dad's head's going to be so big. It's going to be hard to get through the door when he gets home. She laughed. I go, but then again, he is married. So that'll be, that'll take care of itself. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> oh, that's funny. That is good. So you um, reach out to Dean and he's got some, maybe some opportunities for you at Frown Shoe yeah. or how did that work? Yeah, so um, I was a psych major and um, specialized in eating disorders, and Frauenschuh does a lot of healthcare work. Um, and uh, so I reached out to Dean saying, hey, you know, I don't know if you could set me up with anyone. He, he immediately connected me with a couple, you know, eating disorder um, firms, if you want to call yep. them that. And, um, you know, I met with people, and I kind of chatted with a bunch of people, and I found out that wasn't the route I wanted to go right now in my life. Yeah. And, um kind of reached back out to Dean and said, Hey, thank you so much for setting me up with all these opportunities. Um, I don't think it's a path for me right now. So I'm going to try and find something else. And he, uh, he actually was like, well, have you ever thought about commercial real estate? And I mean, <laughs> that's, nothing a, about that's the a quick industry. left term from eating <laughs> yeah. disorders, right? Yeah, totally. And, um, at this point, the season was starting and probably, I think it was probably two or three months. Um, and so I was kind of frantic and, and he knew that. And, um, and I was like, no, I know nothing about commercial real estate at all. And, um, you know, he, we sat down, he kind of gave me the, the lay of the land of it on a piece of paper. We were sitting at a caribou and, um, then he was, you know, we chatted a little bit more and I was like, okay, sounds interesting. And he asked, you know, I wanted to intern with them. And I said, absolutely. Um, he said, let's intern, let's have you intern with us, you know, 
through the season and then let's see what happens at the end. And um, I've been there ever since. They hired me on that in January and um, I'm coming up on four years there. So it's been a, uh, a wild ride, but um, again, just very blessed that he took the opportunity to put, bring me under his wing and I am where I am now. And I'm still able to coach during it too. Little did they know they were hiring the most successful hockey coach, not, and they had got, the second most successful one was, was Dean. <laughs> right? I oh, mean, man, seriously, well, look at this. This track record is amazing. Um, oh, you know, you. drawing from that, it's, it's pretty crazy. Um, before we get to the hockey, the Dine, I want to just, you know, love to take a cup, another right turn here and talk about commercial real estate with this COVID thing. It's got to be kind of an uneasy spot for, for commercial real estate because people are getting more and more accustomed to working from their home. Is, is that something that you guys are talking about in the back rooms at Fraunshoe? Yeah, you know, it's um, obviously it's a scary time for a lot of businesses and a lot of companies in general and just individuals and families and whatnot. And, um, you know, we're dealing with it the best we can. We're, we're there for our clients and supporting them in every need that they they have right now um a lot of it is advising them on what to do next and um how do we move forward from this you know if this doesn't go away anytime soon and, and stuff like that and so we you know we do a lot of um things with corporate clients per se so yep. they um you know they're not necessarily going in the office constantly and sitting behind a computer you know it's healthcare stuff it's you know financial people it's um you know stuff like that and so we do have those one-off ones that are kind of on pause right now. Yeah. Um, but, you know, we're just staying hopeful that we can just continue to be with them and help them through this. And um, we're staying busy, that's for sure. Um, you know, obviously, again, scary time right now, but we're doing the best we can to make sure we're there for our clients. It's just strange. I look out the parking lot in my office here, and there's six cars. And it's, you know, yeah. three. it's your standard three-story office building, and there's only about sure. six to ten cars. And it's just it's a different – I keep thinking – one of the things I think reminded every day is commercial real estate, is how is this going to yeah. affect commercial real estate long-term? So I'm glad we could get your, your take on it. So before we uh, – let's let's talk about arriving in Edina. You got the whistle around your neck. You're a head coach at Edina, and – basically uh, a bunch of thoroughbreds uh, land in your lap. I mean, this is a great <laughs> hockey team, 2017. I don't want to elaborate too much time on every one of these teams, but what are your thoughts on the 2017 team? What What, what, is, your mem- what is your memory here? The first state title? The every- There's a lot of firsts that come in that first season in 16-17. Yeah, yeah. I mean, gosh, um, we were so talented. Um, the, the amount of talent on that team was was pretty crazy. And, um, you know, it wasn't just in the seniors, it fell all the way down to, you know, our sophomores, we didn't have any freshmen on the team that year, but, um, it was pretty incredible walking into that and kind of seeing it firsthand and being like, all right, how do we, how do we make this work? Um, so they were, um, super talented. Um, but you know, they needed, we needed to come back to earth a little bit. There was, they were missing a little bit of something that I knew if we didn't find that, along the way, we probably wouldn't get to the finish line. So, um, you know, I think another thing that, that I would describe that team as is competitive. Yeah. And, um, almost to a fault at some time. (laughs) Um, elaborate on that one. (laughs) Well, we had, um, we had a few, you know, sets of sisters or uh, not as many that year, I should say, but. Oh, a couple um, years later you did. That's for sure. Oh yeah. Yeah. They, um, not, and again, a lot of it was great, but sometimes it was just like everyone was so competitive that it it was, you know, practices have to blow the whistle, call it dead, kind of bring everyone back to life. Like, Hey, no, 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 this is, this isn't going to be how this works. Um, and in games, you know, it kind of was great because you want to be competitive in a game, but sometimes again, you just kind of got to reel them in and, and uh, knock them down a little bit off that competitive drive. Um, if it's kind of bringing a negative effect. So, um, I wouldn't say it was bad by any means, but it definitely, definitely was interesting to work with. <laughs> yeah, you've had some great hockey families. I'm just like looking through some of these. You had the Fiedlers and you had the Bulbies. I mean, these are some great names and dolls and and obviously the Jungles. I mean, just you've, you've just Keel. I mean, literally, there's like, you talk yeah. about sisters. Just in yeah. four years, I've named off like four different, you know, I forgot Hendrickson. I mean, I could just go on and yeah. on and on of all the different great hockey families you've had um, just in four years. And it's going to just get even better. 
Yeah. Yeah. It's been really cool. Um, and the whole sister dynamic, I think so two years ago, you know, we had four sets of sisters on the team and it's just, I was like, Oh my gosh, this could implode or this would be great. And it was so cool to witness. I mean, it was, it was pretty unbelievable. I know that I'm sure they bicker at home and all that stuff and whatnot, but um, you know, it was really special to, to have that. And I think it kind of helped the team just kind of come together even more, um, especially because the age difference between the sisters, we, yeah. you know, were a couple of years most times. And yep. so the older would mentor the younger and make her feel comfortable right away on the team. And so I think that really helped. Yeah, no doubt about it. Okay, so 17, you win. When you win the game, you beat Blaine, I believe. Like, and and you didn't have much trouble in any of the games in that first state tournament. Um, what were your feelings like after that first win, when we first title win? Uh, gosh, I, emotional. Um, emotional, relieved, proud. Um, I just, it, it, it's just still surreal to kind of think about. Um, and uh, I was just so proud of the girls for, you know, knowing that they could do it because we had been to the state tournament as a program since, you know, my yeah. sophomore year in high yeah. school and we've done it and we've been there and, you know, we've just always come up short and, you know, we could, a lot of teams could have just been like, you know what, it's going to happen again. Cause a lot of those girls had that happen to them. And, um, but they set a goal, set their minds to it and made it happen. And I just, gosh, I was just so proud to be a part of it. So the next year uh, you get Centennial in the final. And, and that was a year where you, pretty much were on cruise control the entire year. Um, walk through that state final against Centennial because it was not easy. No, definitely not. Um, well, you've got Gabby Hughes and Annika Lindsay on that team. And, <laughs> Who you recruited, wow. right? <laughs> I know, yeah, which is also crazy. <laughs> oh, man, it's just, yeah, the, some of the, the crazy connections from my recruiting days to coaching. Yeah, you go from recruiting, funny. like, literally yeah. becoming their best friend, slapping them on the back, yeah. you're my best friend in the world, and all of a sudden yeah. I want to beat you, you know? <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah, man. But they, um, I mean, those two players, and you can see it at the college level right now, are so incredibly oh. talented and skilled. And so it was, uh, it was a battle, and they made us work for it, absolutely. They hit the pipe, um, oh. you know, late in the third. To, that would have, you know, tied, tied it up. It. And, um, you know, we missed an empty netter at late in the third to seal it, basically. And Almost so like the Olympics, like, right? Yeah, exactly. It was a little too scary. Um, yeah, but so that was a battle. And I think, you know, that, again, that win was definitely different than the year before in the sense of it was just a different game. And we had a different team. And so um, kind of a different type of emotion after that game. All right, now let's fast forward to the next year. Again, I hate to skip by a lot of the other big no. building blocks to get to it, but we don't have a lot of time. And I want to just get to the Olivia King game. I mean, you oh face Brainer. I mean, this game is, I mean, this will go down in history as one of the greatest 10 girls high school games in state history. And you're sitting there watching. How are we going to get the puck past this Olivia King? Right? Yeah. Oh my gosh! Yeah. So you're playing Brainer, and they—they're tough. I mean, they're, I think this team—I'm not sure if it when they were this group when they were 12s or or maybe the year before—they went to state and they won state. So it's not like they w were unfamiliar with success, Brainerd. Right. Go through the right. game, and you're the better team, no question. You're the better team. You're out shooting them, but it was a whale of a hockey game. What are your What are your takeaways on that game? Um, you know, yeah, they battled, so they came out firing. I mean, they just beat Andover. Yep. Um, so they're fired up and, um, they took it to us right away. We kind of got caught on our heels. You know, we were never leading in that game, which yeah. is crazy. Um, and you never want to play from behind, but, um, you know, they came at us right away, got a quick one and then we had to just battle back. And like, to your point, we ran into an extremely hot goalie who anytime that happens, um, you just automatically get nervous. You could shoot and shoot and shoot and get 70 shots on net, but, you know, your confidence is going to start to be like diminishing a little bit um, because nothing's going in. And I'm just glad that the girls continued to battle and continued to say, no, like we're not, you know, we're not going to lose this game. And, um, you know, it took almost two full overtimes, I guess. But um, they, uh, I, I will say I was nervous because they were taking it to us and, you know, Olivia was standing on her head and stopping everything. And, um, but I always had a little bit of confidence that, hey, you know, I, I know this team, I know these girls, and I know we can do it. So um, we just kind of tried to keep that mentality amongst the locker room. At that point, you win your third straight state title. Is it kind of like, this is easy, 
right? Anyone, you know, right? Uh, Someone quite. had to have said that to you at some point, you know, right? Uh, uh, maybe, but, you know, I uh, I can assure you that that is not the case. I, I know it's been um, pretty crazy those three years, but, um, you know, the girls obviously worked extremely hard for it, and it's a rarity. And, you know, we I just, like this past year, you know, I had to tell the girls that what we had done um, – you know, it's extremely hard to do and that no matter what, you know, should always be proud of it and, um, and proud of obviously this last year as well. So, um, it's, uh, it's always a nice, you know, breath, breath of fresh air after these seasons, because you put so much time and emotion and energy into these games. And, you know, no matter where you go, you kind of get to step out and be like, kind of look back and just breathe for a second and, and reflect on it and whatnot. And, um, I would never say they were easy, but, um, you know, we just worked really hard for them. And, um, again, very blessed with the, the teams we've had. Well, the 19 team was the one that, I mean, I was just blown away how tough that team was. I mean, they were, they just seemed to be the tougher. T- Every time you go and watch your team that year play, it was just, they were physically stronger and meaner and nasty. They were just a really tough team to play against. So when it came down to single, I go, I don't think it's going to matter. I think eventually they're going to find a way to, was Olivia Swaim the one who scored the game winner? Uh, against that, Brainerd. Against Brainerd, yeah. Yep, yep, exactly. It was it was a loose puck or a tip in front, right? I mean, yeah, it, it was a it was a shot. So um, it was a shot from Vivian Jungles actually at the point. She kind of just grabbed it, walked about two feet off the boards, shot it. Fellow Jungles is standing right in front of King. It bounced out. Swain was coming right down the slot and it was a wide open net for. Got it. Yeah, yeah, I remember that. It was insane, yeah. insane finish. <laughs> All right, speaking of insane, your season this year was, um, we talked about before the show, like, has there ever been a team that loses their first game, wins every game after that until the final game? That's probably happened, but the two losses to the exact same team. I don't think it's ever been done. Yeah. Oh, man. Andover's got our number, that's for sure. Um, But they were, hats off to them. They were um, are an incredible hockey program and they have so much talent on that team. And I love playing them. Um, you know, you want to continue to grow the game and play the best to be the best. And so up to your point, it's very, very bizarre that, you know, we lost to them our first game and then didn't lose until we lost to them again, the very last game. So, um, you know, it's fun though. It's good. And we learn from it and we get to play him again the first game next year, too. I asked you that before the show, and I'm I, I'm already getting excited just thinking about <laughs> how much talent you have coming back with uh, with Chorsky and Connor and a few others, how good they're going to be as well, bringing ever, a lot of their kids back as well. I mean, if they're not one and two to start the season, people doesn't know anything about hockey. So um, it's, that's <laughs> exciting, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I'm uh, I'm looking forward to it. I obviously, you know, it took some time to really just reflect on last season, but uh, it's kind of at that point where spring hits and you got to start moving on and figure out how to uh, how to make next team, you know, systems work and everything. How do we come together? Before we reflect, I'd like to just do one more reflection. We talked. It's, not, it's like we kind of used it all up before the show, but I'd like to share what you and I, you know, going back and forth talking about that championship game. You mentioned the lower bowl being nearly full or practically full. Uh, how exciting was that? Just to be it full bowl and an amazing game back and forth. The excitement. I mean, the lead changes and and, and the drama that was involved in that game. And 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 you know to, to some degree, but these two teams go back to youth hockey going back yep. and forth. So it's not like it's like, oh, who Andover? I, have we ever played them before? They play in the state final, in the 12A state final. It just seems like every year. So right. there's a lot more on the line than just that state title. There's so much pride in, at, at, on stake, at stake too. Yeah, absolutely. And I think, you know, it starts, again, to your point, in the youth program. And these teams have been going to battle for the last few years. And, um, and then it's kind of, you know, came in and started with that first game when it was a battle. And I think people saw that. And then as the year went on, we were kind of fluctuating between, you know, first and second and state and, yeah. and whatnot. And then, um, you know, towards the end, I think people knew what type of game that would be being the one and two seeds in the state tournament. And I, I never looked behind, so I didn't really see the Edina crowd, but I heard it was packed. And then, but everywhere in front of us in the lower bowl, I mean, I know there were empty seats, but it really didn't look like it or feel like no, it. No, it didn't and, feel like it. And when <laughs> I, I hate this moment, but it, it was, you know, when Andover scored that go ahead goal, the place erupted. And that was like, <laughs> and that was obviously it hurt and it wasn't great at the time, but 
you know, looking back on it, it's like, that's an incredible moment for girls hockey. As a hockey and, purist, right? Which you are, obviously. Yeah. It was a great moment. Totally. Absolutely. And I mean, that's just so cool for the girls to play in front of a crowd like that in high school. I mean, you don't get college games that get that many people. And um, it's just, it was extremely special. And I hope that we can continue to keep those numbers growing as far as getting people in the stands and who, who wants to come out and just watch a regular season game too. So that's, you know, I, I hope it was a great game for growing the, for growing the girls game in general. So I'll give you a, a little sidebar story about growing the game. I was at a Minnesota hockey board meeting last spring and they were, they voted to change um, the 12 A's from the, the old three t- region. Like there used to be the American national and Olympic region. And they're like, well, we should, yeah. we, there's more, there's more girls now. And, and so they changed it to four regions this year. And then some guy just kind of pipes in and, and he goes, he raises his hand. Oh, Jerry, go ahead. And he raises his hand and goes, well, I'm happy to report the numbers at U8 have tripled since such and such year. We won't have any issues of keeping this format for, for much time to come. And I was like, wow. can you say that one more time, Jerry? As I'm like, got right. my, like, my writer. I'm like, I gotta write that down. And, and literally what wow. he was saying is the growth of girls hockey has, is bursting at the seams, which makes this, for your perspective, it will be, Sammy, it will be full. That, that lower bowl will be full because there's going to be so many more girls playing and then the growth of the game is there. It's exciting. Yep. Absolutely. Wow. Yeah. That's very cool to hear. And um, yeah, it's an exciting time for girls hockey. Um, I appreciate the time today. This was fun to kind of walk through your, you know, somewhat your professional career, your your hockey career, your your family history. Uh, we did make it to almost an hour. Uh, I joked, you're so young, we can't do your life story in in more than half an hour. But but this is a blast. We got to go over some old names from some great players, some great coaches of yours, and really get to learn about you and and the growth of the game as you've kind of come along with the growth of the game. It's been a been a fun hour spending with you oh well tony i appreciate it and yeah i could talk hockey for for days so um i appreciate your time and uh and uh yeah hopefully hopefully we can just keep the game growing as much as we possibly can it's gonna be a blast so again thank you to to sammy reaver and thank you to lots and lots of pizza for their sponsorship of today's podcast we really appreciate everything they do for our website and what we can do to help grow the game of hockey here in minnesota hope everybody enjoyed today's show